Now we're uh, well, we're up to episode five, I think. Good on us. But uh, what we want to look at today? What are we having? Well, so we're looking at a few different things. We've got, you know, we've got the old faithfuls, the you know, the wanker of the week, and we've also got you know the obscure sports and talk a bit of news. Um, but uh, we're also going to have a chat about um, go through the influence of advertising on sports. So like whether it be the players that get sponsors. Um, the advertising that you get on TV in between the games or even just the ads that are inside the games themselves, which, you know, you have the halftime sponsored by someone who does something else that cuts the net down at the end of the game sponsored by someone else that's on a DeWalt ladder. Like, it's just ridiculous. But anyway, there's that. And then um, we've got gambling in sports, so betting on sport. Is it good, bad, or do we think it's indifferent? Um, and then uh, what we talked about last week, um, which came up a couple of times, is when you have you know the best underdogs, you've also got the other side of things, which is the most tragic seasons. Uh, so the way that they've ended poorly. But um, there's that one. But well, what do we kick off? We'll talk about um, the NRL season uh, that starts up this week. So what do you guys see in terms of your storylines for the NRL? What have you found out this week? Bondi, well, no, kick off with you, away, mate. Yeah, righto. Um, so. Sorry, what are, <laughs> I was multitasking, waiting for Kuti. Um What was the thing? Equality, equality, equality. NRL, you know. <laughs> NRL storyline, NRL storyline. Um, so what, what, I haven't really, got? I haven't really picked up too much. Um, there's a bit of a buzz around here about the um, North Queensland Stadium or Queensland Country Bank Stadium. Uh, receiving its first match uh, this uh, coming Friday, so not Friday. Yeah, Friday the 13th. Um, so we're, the towns are buzz about that, but um, haven't kept track of too much other stuff going on in the NRL. Oh, fair enough. That's right. I mean, the, as much as I love to talk about the Cowboys entirely, I mean, they've got their new fullback and Valentine Holmes, and we've got a big, strong new prop. We've lost a lot of things coming through, like with Matt Scott leaving and um, Scott Bolton retiring as well. So we kind of like lost a lot. So hopefully the Cowboys don't suck too much this season. Um, but we'll see how we go. But um, I guess, what about you, Coot? So did you see anything that, you, that stood out to you as, a, as an NRL storyline for this year? You're probably asking. Look, I, I did have a look. There's nothing in there that kind of really jumps out at me, but then I'm, I'm, I might as well be still talking Greek, really. I've got no idea too much about it. I, I'll humbly, humbly resign that for, for you too. I really have nothing of any genuine input for NRL, if you put it that way. No, fair enough. That's all right. I know you're, you're, you're very much like next week when we talk about the AFL season, that's going to be where you, where you shine for sure. Oh, try and um, shut me up then. <laughs> That's going to be a six-hour podcast. I'm going to be here till two a.m. <laughs> but uh, well, look for, for me, the, there's a few big ones um, that I uh, that I've seen coming through um, that I'm a big fan of. Um, there's the over at the West Tigers. They've got um, the the two brothers that are starting over there. So hopefully the Leilua brothers over there will do uh, will do quite well. Um, they look like they're going to be a bit of a force to be reckoned with. They're trying to basically step themselves into the eight, so hopefully West Tigers will do well there. But, um, I mean, they've just been perennial, just like the, the most unlucky club going. So they, they've just had not, not a real great run, sort of. They've had the odd year of, of good play, but outside of that, they haven't really had much luck. Um, 
I guess the Warriors have got a bit of a new look squad. Um, North Queensland, I, I mean, like I said, I could talk about them for for hours, but they've done um, some really, really good, you know, recruiting for for 2020. I mean, Valentine Holmes is a big one. We needed a, a big one to to sort of come in and, and take over from, I guess, where JT left. Um, he left uh, a hole that you could drive a truck through. So unfortunately, he's um, yeah, it's a bit stuck, but. But yeah, we've got plenty of um, we've got plenty of other good recruits like Reese Robson coming in. He'll probably take over at, at hooker from Jake Granville, um, which will be interesting. But um, but I think going through, it's going to be probably the you know the Canberra Raiders will probably be the big story to watch. They, they'll see if they could back up from last year. But did you have anything else, Bondo? No, mate. Nah, <laughs> too easy. Well, did you guys have any uh, any of the sporting news? Did you pick any good sports this week? Um, I had a look, so I was heavily invested. The um, community cup, whatever the AFL calls their their preseason, wrapped, wrapped up tonight actually. Um, oh. So that's um, so again heavily invested in being a Cullen supporter. It was about the only game I watched a hand on heart all the way through. And to be fair, around towards the end of that, I started to get a bit uh, disengaged with it somewhat. As Brisbane just kind of flexed their muscles a little bit towards the end of it. Um, yeah, it's kind of. It, the preseason for the AFL is a little bit different if you compare it to things like, um, especially um, what am I thinking of? American football, where it's very cutthroat and it's very much, um, you know, people biting for positions. Um, whereas in the AFL, it's kind of like, especially the second round was that, uh, as the uh, Colm coach David Teague put it, very much a dress rehearsal for round one. Um, so there's not, I mean, looking at results, there's nothing really to look. In depth too. Again, some some teams have are kind of resting stars ready for round one. Some teams like Carlton, who are trying to get off the bottom of the ladder, are kind of trying to find out where their best twenty-two are. Noting that there's a huge big influx of players and a huge uh, amount that have gone, so they're trying to settle to find out, let the, let the dust settle and find out exactly who they have in their team and, and, and um, where their best position is. Um, Jeremy Cameron for the Giants looks like he's in a bit of hot water. Um, he did the I'm a clumsy big tall forward and need an opponent square in the back of the head and knocked him out cold. Um, yeah. So he, he did see that. Did see that on the highlight reel. And one as well. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long you can keep playing the I'm a, I'm a silly forward or I'm a clumsy forward rule, but so he's in hot water in doubt for round one. Um, mate, he's, uh, he's he's no Travis Cloak, mate. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, this, uh, it's too early. It's too early to start the, this AFL fair. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because it'll go down like it'll be awesome fun. But uh, but yeah, so that wrap, wraps up. I think everyone now is just um, you know we've been too long in absence of AFL, so everyone's keen to get that underway. No, that's a fair point. That's fair. I think it's the same for the NRL as well, mate. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be good the next couple of weeks. You're going to have plenty going on. But what about you, Bondo? Did you catch much news this week? Oh, was that through to me, mate? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I was just wondering. The news. Did you just catch much yeah, news this week? Mate, the news that I've got is the female T20 uh, cricket World Cup. The Aussies, uh, the Aussies took the cup. Um, brilliant game last night, actually. Um, Australia played really well, and India just did not turn up. So, uh, really proud of the Aussie girls there. Oh, mate, they, they did a cracking job. I'm, I'm pretty happy that they ended up taking it. I mean, you'd think if you are going to show up in one game, it would be the World Cup final, right? <laughs> That's it. 
<laughs> and um, 86,000 people at the G as well, so... Bloody hell, that's huge. Yeah. And that's got to be a record, surely. Some kind of record, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's massive. Well, I mean, that's that's brilliant. I mean, that's the first guess following on for what we were talking about a couple of weeks back with uh, with women's sports. Clearly, it's starting to pick up, mate. If we're, if, I mean, our, our girls go and take a World Cup, we're doing all right. Uh, I, we've taken the last few, actually. I think this is our fifth. Yes, yeah, we, we seem to crush it most of the time, but I guess that's a testament <laughs> to Australia and how we're doing in terms of our, our women's sport. Is we're just leaps and bounds ahead. Yeah. That's really good. For me, for me, the big news. Well, there's two of them. One is that my prediction uh, for the NBL, which is that um, the the Kings came back from a 45 point shellacking, which was the biggest loss in in NBL history of the modern era, um, and uh, they came back and beat Melbourne in the second game, um, and they they've gone through. But Perth went through to the um, the grand final with them, so they're the, and Perth's up. Um, I, I predicted they'd go through and win it all, and they're up one game to nil in the um, grand final series after. The Wildcats took it all, um, so it'll be interesting to see that one. But the big news for me um, was actually it's probably it's not like the most recent news, but I thought it was something that was interesting with doping in sports and how that's massive. And it's been something that's been going on forever, um, and it just kind of seemed to fly under the radar. But Sun Yang, the the, the Chinese swimmer, he's got an eight year ban for for his doping, um, and basically he just. Like he's now trying to fight it all and carry on about it and trying to make this big deal like he's you know some innocent guy, but uh, I just find it crazy that you know he, he, eight years is a long. That's probably one of the biggest bands I've ever seen. Like, do you guys remember anything bigger for any kind of doping outside of maybe Lance Armstrong or something like that? I can't. I can't think of anything bigger than eight years. No, I think I'm trying we, to think if there's anyone. You look at it in terms of if he's an Olympic swimmer, so it's, it's two Olympics he's going to miss, which. I mean, eight years from any. It, was that just to ban the Olympics, or any any sport across the board? Um, I think as, it's as in any competition. World, yeah, any any like world champs, uh, Olympics, all that. Wow. Yeah, that that's pretty much set him into early retirement, surely. Well, you'd think so. I mean, like he's because I mean that that's got to be from any anything that's got the same governing body. I think that that's the idea. Anything that's like the like I can't think. I think it's the International Swim Committee or something something like that. I can't think what. Oh, sorry. The um. Yeah, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, or CAS, um, they're the ones that actually gave him the ban. Um, but um, uh, it doesn't give a lot of detail. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's the Chinese Swimming Association that terminated the contract. Um, and, yeah, it was, it's just crazy. So anything that's got basically water attached to it, which is everything, um, yeah, it's just nuts. But the thing that got me, though, this is the part that I meant to actually bring up, was the fact that he was actually initially cleared by the swimming's governing body, FINA, um, when he was alleged to have smashed a vial of his own blood when he was visited by drug testers and everything like that. Um, but he was originally cleared of it, um, which just makes it even worse, I think, for the swimming. Like, that's crazy. He basically was just roided up within an inch of his life. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's, all, that's all the basics, I think, from the news stuff. But why don't we jump in and have a look, uh, unless you guys had anything else you wanted to talk about in that, right? No, nah, far away, mate. All right, well, let's have a look at uh, at some advertising in sport. Now, for me, it, it's something that, that basically, it was a line, I think, in any given Sunday. They said as soon as they um, they turned, you know, to a commercial at halftime, that was, uh, that was when it became more about the viewer watching than the people playing it. And uh, I thought that was an interesting way to put it. Um, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of it that goes around, but... Uh, 
I mean, for me, the biggest one I saw was um, probably when Brazil had the World Cup. I know I, I don't know if you guys do you guys remember how with with the soccer World Cup or the football World Cup, there was a bit of a bit of a debacle, right? We all remember that, right? Yeah, mate. Yep. Yep, it was pretty full on. But what they what the crazy things was, and these are the details that sort of came out afterwards. Now FIFA has specific deals and sponsors um, that deal with like particularly Budweiser. Now this is a crazy one, right? So in Brazil they had um, a ban on selling beer at games because basically what was happening was that people were getting drunk, rioting, and people were dying. So they said, right, no more beers, and everyone was like, cool, fair enough. But um, basically when FIFA came in and said, uh, we want you know, this is our sponsor, you must sell Budweiser. Um, the power of the of the almighty dollar came in and they were forced to sell Budweiser beer at the stadiums, even though the government had banned it for years. Um, they were forced to come in purely because it was an advertising sponsor of the World Cup, and so they must do it. So it, it just overruled a federal government law um, just because of that for advertising purposes. So that was one of the craziest ones I think I saw. But uh, what about you guys? Kusi, what did you see? So the biggest one, I, when I think of sport uh, advertisements in sport, there seems to be this this dogfight of who will get a commercial played at halftime at the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes. So, and and looking at the steady trends from 2000 to last year's Super Bowl, so in 18 or 17, 18 years, it's it's more than doubled. Well, it's it's virtually doubled since then. So the average price. Well, the average amount it costs an advertising company for a 30-second long commercial during the Super Bowl was $5.25 million US for 30 seconds worth of advertisement. That's nuts. So 30 seconds, $5.2 million. What does that work out to be per second? That's like $600,000 a second. Yeah, Is that right? something ridiculous like that. But, but oh, yeah. The other, the funny thing about it is, is these have become such a novelty. Like apart from the halftime show, which seems to take away from the game to a, to an extent anyway. Um, I'm just amazed at how they bring all the crap on stay uh, on the field, and then the guys are still able to play afterwards. But um, in between those, when they're bringing the stage out, putting it together, and then taking it away or whatever, the the few ads that run to that uh, seem to be a novelty, and it's the only sporting event that I can think of where there seems to be a uh, not, not, let's say a step back from the excitement of a commercial coming on. Because I know there's nothing worse when you're watching like Channel 7 broadcast the AFL, a goal is kicked and then you get an ad break and then you've got to wait for that 30 seconds. There, you spoke a little bit before about the quote from any given Sunday. Mm. I didn't realise this till I went to the, an AFL game years ago in that 30 seconds to when a goal is kicked and the ball is returned to the middle and an advertisement is played, the umpire actually has to wait for the commercial to finish. Before he can kick off, yes. <laughs> so he, the timekeeper's box, there is a light above that. So the umpire will stand there or he'll wait for that light to then come on, which is a signal to him to tell him the ad is now finished and he can recommence the game. It's nuts, isn't it? It's absolutely nuts. And that was, yeah, I was, I was amazed when I found that out. Absolutely amazed. It's a killer. It's a killer. And like, I, I sit there thinking a lot of the time, you know, what's, cause I mean, it, it happens all the time. I mean, the NFL is like, there's a huge one for it. College basketball was another oh. one. What, what did you, what did you find, Bondo? Mate, I'm a little bit outraged about 
the again going back to Queensland Country Bank Stadium. So Macca's was a major sponsor, but you can't right, get right. Macca's at the stadium. You can get Red Rooster. So I was a little bit outraged at that. <laughs> um, but me personally, I I take no notice of advertising in sport. So an ad comes on, you know, I'm getting up to grab another beer. Um, probably not the one advertised because I drink craft beer. Um, go to the oh, toilet. Do do that kind of stuff. So advertising in sport really has no effect on me. Um, so personally, I wouldn't tell anyone to waste the money. But um, like you guys have mentioned, there's a lot of money in it um, in just getting in people's faces. But, um, yeah, my outrage is no Maccas. Um, at Queensland Country Bank Stadium, even though they're the major sponsor of the Cowboys. Ridiculous. And, and mate, that's a fair thing to be outraged by. I mean, if you if you got sponsorship by some sushi joint and all you can buy is ribs, then you're kind of like, well, where's the sushi, mate? Like, you know, it's the same thing. But <laughs> I mean, if I want a cheeseburger at halftime, come on. But I mean, so you, your, your stance is more like, um, I guess it's basically part of, it's just part of it. Like, it, it just is what it is. It's embedded in it so much that you're just like, oh, I don't really notice it. Yeah, I use it as a toilet break or whatever. So focus on the sport while it's on, and then that's that's my little, you know, thirty second break or a minute break or whatever. Um, go and do the stuff that I want to do, and then come back and carry on watching the cricket. No, that, that's a fair point. I guess that's a fair way. I mean, for me, my flip side of it was simply that. I mean, because that, that's a fair point. Because it is almost to the point where, it, I guess, numb to it. I guess we're numb to it. I suppose is the way I'd think of it, but. It's also the fact that without it, though, like I sit there and think, well, would we have as spectacular a sport as we would? Because, I mean, the big thing we talked about um, not long ago was, like, the highest paid athletes. And we looked at, like, guys like Floyd Mayweather and, and Tom Brady, all these guys that earn, you know, stupid amounts of money, like $20 million a year, $80 million a fight, whatever it might be. And uh, without that money coming from advertising, these guys wouldn't have such lucrative contracts. So... Like, it makes me wonder, like, you know, like, does it kill competition from the smaller places that can't get advertising, or does it make it better to attract a better talent? Like, I don't know, what do you guys reckon there? Um, I, I reckon the big guys are always going to have that in your face advertising. Um, but I just had a bit of a think about it. The most effective form of advertising I've seen, um, or I've noticed in sport is sponsorship. So, you know, everyone wants Michael Clark's bat or, you know, Steve Smith's bat. If you're talking about cricket, everyone wants, you know, the Boots JT kick the winning field goal with. Everyone wants those kind of little sponsorship deals, I guess. Um, everyone wants that brand. Everyone wants to be like the athlete they're aspiring to be. So I think that is made way more influential, particularly on a younger demographic who are looking up to these aspiring or aspiring athletes to be like these um, Australian-level athletes rather than uh, in-your-face, go get KFC, I can't, you know, <laughs> half an hour away and I'm not going to miss the rest of this. <laughs> oh, mate, I, I, get, I, get the, I get the absolute irritants, mate, when I see a try, try scored and they have to go to the review, mate, because I know there's going to be some idiot either smacking someone's hand away from getting the KFC or or what's going to happen, and it just drives me mad. But, I mean, but you're right, though, because, I mean, one of the most iconic sayings, you know, man, I want to be like Mike, like that was that was always... You know, the, the Michael, you know, that's why everyone loves Air Jordans. That's, that's why everyone wants those, the famous basketball shoes, the Kobe War or whatever it might be. Like, that's, that's what it was. I mean, it, it, 
what, what do you reckon, Coos? Like, you, you, uh, do you think it's the same or what? I, I think Bondi is pretty bang on that the, the advertisement that seems to appeal to the sport lover is that I want, you know, Clarko's ball, not Clarko, he's retired, but I want that athlete's what they wear because that's special to them and I'm sure it'll do amazing things for me. And, I mean, it's hard to argue the point of, of, um, endorsement working that way because you look at guys like Hussein Bolt as a track and field athlete, there's not a heck of a lot of money in it, really. And he's, he's made, I think it was 97% of his earnings came from endorsements because everyone wants to wear the whatever brand he has. With varying reasons behind it, I guess you'd think the most obvious one is if I wear that, it'll make me run quicker. Um, but but it's sports like that that where there's not a heck of a lot of money in it. Uh, another one here, like Virat Kohli as well. He, he, again, in terms of Middle East, especially around India and that area, is the biggest sporting star in the world as far as they know. As far as they can see, and he has something like eighty odd percent of what he makes comes from endorsements as well. So, I mean, it's hard to escape that realization that there's just insane amounts of money in it. Because, barring away from the Maccas or the Holden ads that are forced down your throat when a goal is kicked or where there's a timeout, um, Bondi hit it on the head before. Especially the older we get, we use those breaks as, I'll grab another beer now or I'll go to the toilet real quickly or something like that because there's a break in the game. You're not going to miss anything because it's a KFC or whatever ad that you have no investment in it whatsoever. Mm. It's kind of like they worry more about the, because obviously you're attracting 5 million people to watch a game rather than worrying about the 80,000 that are actually paid money to go to the stadium. That's what I think it's it's more suited towards. But I I, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, look, I don't know if it's good or bad. I, I really don't know, or, or whether it's kind of like basically what Bondi said, where it's just, just is what it is. Like it's just part of it, and we're just so used to it because it's been around since, like, I don't know, Richie Benno threw to the the um the Holden bloody station wagon to advertise that back in the eighties. Like I, I don't know, like it just it just is what it is. Like it's been around since I was a kid. Like since I, I can remember watching my first sporting game. You probably yeah, bang on like advertising smokes anymore, so. <laughs> no more Marlboro Lights for you, mate. <laughs> not that I'm endorsing Marlboro Lights. That's uh, that's not what I do here, okay? That's Unless they want to send me free stuff. <laughs> yeah, cigarettes. That's it, that's it. <laughs> uh, but it's, an, it's an interesting thing, though. I mean, it, and it, it kind of ties into what we're going to talk about in a minute as well, which is like betting in sports as well. Because, I mean, you think, like, how what, – what's one of the biggest ones you know when you talk about the NRL? Sports bet. Like, they come through a million times, uh, you know, to, to talk about, you know, we'll give you X and whatever odds on, you know, someone scoring a try first or whatever it may be. That one comes through a million times as well. And, I mean, they're obviously – they pay a lot of money for that time to be able to go and do that. So you think, well – and that, I guess that feeds into it pretty well, which is, well – is that going to be a good or bad thing? And then should they be selective with who they advertise? You just mentioned cigarettes, which is a perfect one, because they got banned. They they're not allowed to advertise anymore, at least not in Australia. Um, and uh, I mean, if it's in Indonesia, I don't think they really care. But in Australia, they they certainly um, they go nuts with it. Like they they uh, you know you can only have. But they were talking about getting rid of beer commercials for God's sake. Like I mean, where where does the line stop? I guess. Yeah, well, 
personal opinion, and um, it's not going to be a popular one, is you know everyone's going to bet regardless. But I don't think betting in sport um, is like it should have a limit on it. I mean, there are that many people um, in financial crisis and that kind of stuff because of you know gambling addiction and stuff like that. Just mm. removing those temptations instead of you know having a you know, an unlimited cap, put a $50 cap per game or per bet or whatever uh, per individual. So if they're going to want to spend, you know, two or $3,000 betting on games, then it's going to be bloody hard work. And who's going to be bothered? Um, exactly. So I think there's a little bit of responsibility there um, from the gambling companies. And, I mean, the gambling companies, they're just in it to make a dime. Um, yeah, of course. But I think, yeah, there's a little bit of social responsibility um, that they're neglecting at the minute, uh, and I'd like to see. Oh, you still there, mate? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I thought it dropped out on me. Because his video went dead, and I thought, it would, I thought we'd gone. Yeah, no, but you're right. I think that's that's... It's a fair point, I think, in that it, it's just going to happen. But like, there's a, it's there's a big illegal betting thing that happens a lot, um, particularly in the states because they've got so many restrictions on it, right? But I just I've, I looked at it, and worldwide, let, let's see, like, I'll, I'll give you guys a guess each of, of how many billion dollars you think worldwide is spent on on betting. How many what billion? How many, how many billion? billion? Oh, yeah. I, I, well, I don't know, like. It's a hundred billion. Nah, not that much. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 with the GDP of some small countries. Mate, yeah, that's exactly the, that's the point I was about to make. Was there. So it's, it's a $70 billion a year industry, right? Now that's bigger than, let's see, I'm up to, if I look at Luxembourg, which is 74th in the world in terms of GDP, it has the same GDP as Luxembourg. And then underneath that, you've got countries like Costa Rica, Croatia, Uruguay, Tanzania, Lebanon, Paraguay, Bolivia. Like, there's like, there's so many countries underneath it. It's like, it, yeah, it's basically 74th in the world in terms of GDP is, is betting on, in, in sport. I mean, that, that to Incredible. me is just bananas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't mind that GDP in my back pocket. <laughs> but, uh, just every year, that would be fine. Yeah, they wouldn't, and that's true. That it is every year. That's the thing that gets it. I mean, seventy billion dollars in a year—that is just ridiculous. Whereas that money, I mean, you know, you're probably right. Though. I mean, I was going to say we could spend that money on something else, but let's face it, everyone's going to bet on it regardless. Well, well yeah. I think for that reason that you'll never—it'll never be banned because that, that is globally a seventy billion dollar industry right there. Mm-hmm. No, you're dead on, mate. And I mean, it's just ridiculous. But I mean, I think I wonder the the negatives of it. Though. I mean, obviously, we kind of know like what Bondi said, which is um, obviously for people who end up in in a bit of financial strife. I mean, that happens a lot with just gambling in general. Um, but certainly with sports, is it's a big contributor to that. But then I think of the. I guess it muddies the water in terms of the game because you, you sit there and there's so many conspiracy theories now. I mean, you look at what happened. Um, I mean, there was a famous one with, uh, I think it was a Pakistani cricket team for throwing a game. Um, the, the, um, I think there was even one with the Aussies were involved at some point, but that was match fixing and, and a whole stack of things. Like 
Exactly. And I mean, and they talk about, you know, things like deflate gate with, with New England. Was that to do with a betting thing? Like, did that happen with that? And the NBA is huge. They talk about the NBA a hell of a lot with when they get super teams traded. And they're like, well, they just know that's what people are going to do. So, I mean, or who they're going to bet on, I should say. Um, and I just, I wonder whether it's going to start, well, it already has had instances or whether it's just more prevalent. We just don't know about it that, you know, it's, People are not wanting to win because they love the game, but because of a betting issue, like a gambling thing. Like they they give they're getting you know held over by someone. I don't know. Like I, I don't know. I can't think of anything specific where I, where that's been a like an instance. But I, I wonder if it's more prevalent than we know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Like there's there's a lot of game well conspiracies in sport based around that, and you never know just how deep it goes. I mean, from racing. Um, through cricket, through swimming, through, you know, all the different sports. Um, there's always conspiracies. There's always, um, a bet being placed and you just don't know where that line is. So again, minimizing the impact of, um, the financial benefit that someone could have, um, lessens the chance of that as well. So, um, That's yeah, true. I definitely That's think, yeah. Capping those bets will have a multifaceted benefit um, to everyone except the uh, gambling companies. So, yeah, that goes. <laughs> they better have some good lobbyists. Same. What do you reckon, Coach? You've been you <laughs> too much of an opinion on it, mate. What, what's uh, what's your idea with gambling? Um, I I personally don't have an issue with it. Um, there, there's also all sorts of measures you can put in personally. I know even sports bet have like a daily limit, that kind of thing you can put on it. Um, I think it's even the advertisement involved in betting in sport is insane as well because there's that. And you think about it in the last probably five, ten years, how many different or how many different um, sports bet agencies have seemed to come along in Australia alone. There's probably five, uh, three or four I can name off the top of my head. Um, so here we go. We've got sports bet, Ned's, Tab, Ladbrokes. There's four um, right there. But that one. That one that was uh, Gay Waterhouse's son. Bet365, Bet365. Bet365. Yeah. Bet, Bet, Bet on the AFL because, you know, what's his name? Uh, Samuel Jackson told you to. There you go. The sheer fact that he's on the advertisement for it, it shows his big bucks in it. But, um, he's one of the stars, really. <laughs> Exactly right. But, um, I mean, you look at some sports, I think, because the sheer fact is you can bet on anything. If you have one of these apps, I can bet on the Oscars. I can bet on the Miss America. Not that I have any knowledge in either of them whatsoever, but the sheer fact that I can put a bet on and am somehow more invested in that. Um, I think we've all been – Melbourne Cup Day in particular, it seems to be the one day of the year for all the people who don't normally bet. They go, well, put a punt on Melbourne Cup because it's what you do. Um, so horse racing in particular has this massive um, – massive uh, connection with gambling because it seems to be no one goes to the the races to watch the horses go <laughs> the horses run that <laughs> you know no one do you take betting out of that and a crash and burn i feel um so you're very invested well in the day. Exactly. <laughs> equestrian or something exactly, yeah, exactly. right you so. watch a game of polo yeah yeah no <laughs> you're right and that's that it's a good point man i mean so you, you maybe think it's kind of linked in with what Bondi said about the advertising where it's like 
they're basically just so part of the lexicon, so part of the culture that, you know, like you said, people, everyone has a punt on the Melbourne Cup. Like it's just, it just is what it is. Um, or, you know, people like, or oh, in the States, it's, you know, people always put five bucks on the Super Bowl or, or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, you know, there's always those big events that people are like, oh, well, I'll take a bet on it. Why not? So uh, maybe, maybe it's just part of the culture. It's just we accept it as, you know, it's sort of like the constant threat of terrorism. It's just something that you know that's there, but it's not necessarily <laughs> going to happen. But, uh, well, it, but uh, the most common phrase that I hear from, and there's one friend in particular that I'll leave nameless, but when I lived in Amberley, we'd catch up for a coffee every Monday morning, and we'd sit down, yep. and the first thing out of his mouth, he'd go either Bombers or Denver or, you know, New York, cost me my multi. Yeah. <laughs> because he'd have 13, or this individual would have, you know, a 13-legger where it was one team then crashed and burned, and it goes, cost me 300 bucks or something. And I, I swear to God, this is every Monday morning conversation every is Monday. the same thing, just a different sporting team or a different individual. Because nowadays, you don't just bet for a win of, I think this team's going to win. Even you look at grand final, you're going to go the trifecta. So who's going to win? Who's going to kick the first goal? Who's going to be Norm Smith? And then now you can play under and over with averages. You look at the NBA and you think, well, I'm going to think, I think the Bucks are going to win. I think the Greek Freak's going to get over 30 and I think he'll get over 12 rebounds. You can even bet on the under of that. Yeah, Bucks will win, but he won't get 30 and he won't get 12 rebounds or whatever the case might be. So there's so much, so much betting involved now. Simply not just who's going to win, who's going to lose. There's so many different ways for you to eventually lose your money. Well, Bondi, mate, I don't know about you, but what I got out of what Cootsie was just saying is that uh, he really knows a lot about Miss America pageants and he takes a bit of a punt on it, and uh, that, that was my, that was what I got out of it. <laughs> That's about as credible as anything yeah, else I've ever said. Yeah, you might as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's fair enough. Well, look, that's that's fair. I think it's it's an interesting topic. I mean, you could really dissect it for for a long, long time. I mean, to be fair, I don't think either of us uh, are economists or anything like that. So, I mean, who the hell knows? But it, it's it is a really like just a really interesting thing to to look at. But why don't we uh, speaking of like just looking at all that sort of stuff? Why don't we jump into uh, the wanker of the week? Who we got for the wanker of the week? So uh, my wanker of the week was it might have been slightly over a week ago. But I, I heard this story and I was just amazed. Uh, it's in the NBA. Um, so the wanker of the week is a, a Boston Celtic player by the name of Marcus Smart. Why he is the wanker of the week this week? Uh, sit down. Take, it, it take me a, a little while to explain it. But nevertheless, we'll crack on. So uh, Boston Celtics were playing the now Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn uh, no particular strong team. They've got Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving out injured for us of the year, so they're just going through the motions. Uh, Celtics are really going for, they're, they're going to be in playoffs. They're going to have a really, well, a reasonable strong shot at the title, let's be honest. Um, so it's a game that you'd expect the Celtics to absolutely just run over the floor the next week. However, an individual by the name of Karis Levert, uh, uh, who plays for the Nets, not a particularly strong player, but then in the absence of the Stars, they have seen more and more game time. Anyway, um, Levert railed the Nets. Um, so they were down like 13 points in the fourth quarter. So the Celtics were winning comfortably. Levert then rallied the Nets, and he, he hit like three three-pointers in a row. Um, it just went on a tear, absolute tear. And with something like 
0.02 seconds on the clock. He went for a three-pointer to tie the game, and an individual named Marcus Smart fouled him. Right. Levert then went to the line, sunk all, all three free throws, which sent the game into overtime. Right. The reason why Marcus Smart is the wanker of the week is because if he simply hadn't fouled or just contested the shot, because I know Levert is a pretty good three-pointer, but with .02 seconds left on the clock, it's virtually a Hail Mary. Levert then went on, I think in, the, in overtime, he scored all of the uh, Nets' points. The Nets ended up absolutely smashing him 129-120. Levert finished with a career-high 51 points, and 37 of those points came in the fourth quarter in overtime. Oh, my God. So... Because of that, Marcus Smart this week for a simple foul that ended up as an absolute embarrassment with how tight the East is going to be in that NBA conference. I just thought it was like I heard this story. I think it was Golic and Wingo, and I Googled it, and I just couldn't believe that this uh, Karis Levert, who I'd actually heard of, he's a pretty reasonable player, but just seeing more court time than the injured stars they have. Uh, You know, career-high 51, 37 coming in the fourth quarter in overtime alone. Hit all of the Nets points in overtime. No one else scored on his team. They just went, dude, you're killing it. Just going to give you the ball. I'm just going to get out of your way. It's all yours, mate. Whatever you want to do. And it seemed like the Celtics let him do that anyway. But uh, I thought for that reason, that reason alone, it just stuck with me that, um, you know, Marcus Smart's this week, one for the week. Mate, I'm going to even add to his claims of being wanker of the week because I, I just uh, had a look through it because were, I remembered something about that being particularly ridiculous. And I just had a look. He, in, in addition to that, he also lost his mind at the referees and he got fined $35,000 for verbally abusing and confronting the referees in that same game. Well, there you go. There you go. Mate, that is tremendous. What an idiot. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, good on him. Good on him. All right, Bondi. Now, before we jump into having a look at... Uh, at um, having a look at uh, the most tragic seasons. What, what was your obscure sport, mate? Mate, we're pretty, we're, we're pretty top last week. With uh, we had cheese, we had cheese, cheese rolling, mate. So you got a, a high bar. Yeah, this one is absolutely insane. So free solo climbing. Uh, oh. So basically, have you guys heard of this? Yes. Oh no, thank you. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you find the steepest, scariest cliff you can, uh, and then you walk up to it and start climbing. Um, no no ropes. safety equipment, no ropes, no parachutes, nothing. Uh, these guys are just out of control. Um, and <clears throat> the most notable climber that I've found um, is Alexander Honnold. Um, and he gained... Uh, notoriety for climbing uh, El Capitan in uh, America. Uh, it's a 3,000 foot cliff from bottom to top uh, and he climbed it in 3 hours 56 minutes. Um, so that's a fair clip. Um, yeah, no ropes, no safety equipment at all. Um, and to get through the stages, so there's five stages on El Capitan. Uh, so he climbed stage one 90 times uh, to practice that stage. Uh, stage two, uh, or stage one's 200 feet. Stage two, 
is 280 feet. He climbed that one 10 times. Uh, stage three, uh, 200 feet, climbed that one 10 times. Stage four, 150 feet, climbed it 60 times. Uh, and stage five, 180 feet, climbed that over 40 times uh, to practice before completing the climb. So this guy has basically dedicated his life um, to this sport uh, and to conquering this cliff face uh, in recent history. Um, and, I mean, when you look at that, break it down, to be almost 3,000 feet above the ground um, and to attempt that 40 times just to practice it, I mean, this guy <laughs> is next level. There's got to be something. Um, there's got to be something a little bit, a little bit loose the brain there a little bit, you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, get a parachute or something. <laughs> but definitely look up El Capitan um, and just see how much of a sheer cliff face that is. Um, I'm already looking, mate, and it, it is. It, it just looks like just like a uh, like the wall at home. Like I'm trying to climb the wall at, at my house. <laughs> yeah, mate. Like there's not much to hang on to there. You're going pretty pretty much straight up. Um, yeah, this guy did it in under four hours. It's just incredible. Is, is he the one that they made that doco about? The 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 one um, it was called Free Solo. I think it was actually what the name of it was. Uh, I would guess then probably. <laughs> well, it's probably he sounds like the guy, but I, I don't know. But it's just that's just crazy. So he climbs up. Okay, is, is, was anything? Do you know if there's anything special about that El, El Capitan's? Climb like is it just the hardest one to do, or is it just what he decided he wanted to do? No, it's it's basically one of the hardest um, climbs in the world. Um, so he's done the other ones. He gained um, fame for um, a following basically when he climbed two of the other um, cliff faces in the world um, free solo, uh, and then this one. He had the world watching. Uh, and, yeah, so there were camera crews and stuff up the top uh, reporting on him. He started at a ridiculous a.m. in the morning because the cliff face gets hot during the day. So he started at 5.30, finished at 9 o'clock um, to avoid the heat of the day and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, camera crews at the top, and they had to get up there super early um, just to carry all their camera equipment up the hiking track. Um, just to film him coming over the top. He's, mate, he, he climbed 3,000 feet in three hours. I think I'd be able to walk it, but, you know, that'd be about it, though. Hey, I don't it. think I'd be able to walk 3,000 feet up a cliff, like, <laughs> even along that hiking track. I'd be doing a bloody good job. That, that's, that's crazy. But, like, it, it's just, right, there's some people, there's just some special people when they pick these kind of sports to do, like that. Yeah, no, that, that's just nuts. I mean, you know, people just want to go and just, uh, I mean, it's, it, don't get me wrong, it's impressive and I, I, I think it's absolutely insane that people can have that, that sort of talent, strength, ability, but I just sit there thinking, like, come on, man, like, like, I, I choose, I choose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this guy must have some massive huevos or a death wish, like. Oh, 100%, mate. He, yeah, like, 100%. Yeah. I, I don't know how he can climb with something that big between his, you know, anyway, but yeah. But, uh, look, well, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's, mate, that, that's, that's, that's a, that's a good sport for us to, to go with that one. But, 
I mean, thankfully his didn't end tragically, but I know a lot of seasons do. You see what I did there? I segued. Oh, uh, what a segue. How was that? How was that? That was all right. But, uh, look, I know I looked into a whole stack and I found, uh, a lot of them. Cause when you talk about underdogs, there's often, uh, like we talked about underdogs last week. And, um, when you look at the underdogs, there's always the other side of it. The, the, the team that, you know, like that, that should have won, but didn't. And you sit there going like, that's, that's tragic because they were like, you know, the favorites to win. They were amazing. Um, and, and it's, and it's brilliant. But I mean, but for me, the, the tragic side of things was, I mean, I looked at a lot of them. I mean, tragic can mean a lot of different things, I guess. I mean, I looked at, you know, like, um, they made that movie about the, the Marshall University team, how they all died in a plane crash and, and they made the movie with Matt McConaughey and all that in it. Um, or you've got, you know, Friday Night Lights and they turn all, all of them into movies and, and there's some great ones about it. But I think for me, I, I get, I picked one that I looked at, uh, because not only did the Spurs come out as the winners, which is, you know, that's my favorite team, but, uh, but it was, it was just a great, it was a great sort of, uh, story as well for the New York Knicks. Um, now this is back in 98, 99, so it's gone back a ways. Um, and it was basically where they, it was during the, the lockout. So it was a shortened season. Normally there's, there's 80, 80 odd games in a season. Um, but this one was shortened to have only, uh, 50 games in it. So it was a very short season compared to what it normally would be. Um, but basically they, they had a bunch of like, like, very little talent, like, oh, well, they had obviously talented players, but just in terms of, like, the NBA standard, they had a lot less players than what they would have normally had. Patrick Ewing went out, uh, where he did his Achilles, and it was just, like, it was all looking pretty pretty shabby for, for the Knicks that year, but they ended up somehow squeezing their way into the number eight seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs, so they just made it into that, like, barely by the you know, skin of their teeth kind of thing. And then they went on and they, they actually took off. Um, there was, Miami was seeded number one. They beat them. Atlanta Hawks were number four. They knocked them off and they beat Indiana in three consecutive series. Like they just whooped them all. They just kept going. Somehow they just played out of their skins and they made it all the way through. And then it looked like it was going to be a Cinderella story, but then Tim Duncan and the Spurs ruined their night and just destroyed them in the, in the, in the finals and the playoffs. Um, in the 98, 99 season. So they, uh, that was, that was my tragedy for it. They just ruined their Cinderella story. They shattered the glass slipper. Um, and, uh, they sent them home, uh, you know, with no ring. So see you later. That was, that was one of my favorites. But, uh, I thought it was a really interesting series, like where they just fought so hard to get to the end and say, no, sorry guys. <laughs> but, uh, what did you, what did, what did you find, Coos? Well, I, I struggled a bit with this because tragic, went in a plethora of different ways. Um, I looked at motorsport, which just led me down to, um, you know, being such a high-risk sport, deaths, and I thought, well, no one really wants to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I went to, like, just, just flat-out tragic, why would you bother rocking up Monday type of events, and the one that I couldn't really get away from was the, um, the 2016 um, Cleveland Browns that was the... First team in um, NFL history of recent memory. There was a team back in about nearly 20 years ago, a bit over, that was the only other team. I think Detroit was like 2002 that went undefeated. But I thought the Browns going, sorry, not undefeated, without a win, the exact opposite of going undefeated. Um, They were the one that kind of stuck in my head because it's in the modern era in a league that's, you know, really easily... If you follow American football in particular, um, 
the San Francisco 49ers are a perfect example of that. They they have this who will go worst to first. So 49ers yeah. last year had four wins, I think, total. I think they dropped two games, maybe three games, because one of them was the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, you could throw them into the discussion of most tragic as well because they had an absolute dominant year. And then they kind of... And they were up too. They were killing it in the Super Bowl as well. And then right. crashed it, and burned. The Chiefs came what, back. They were what were they up twenty to three or something? Oh, uh, it was uh, something like that. They were nearly three touchdowns up at one point. Like they were, yes. yeah, or two. I think it was. Yeah, it, it was a, kind of a overshadow as well because you know KC are just um you know they're no slouches by any chance. So that one you was kind the- of. Do you reckon that's the Shanahan curse? I was just thinking about that because he he was the he was the co- the offensive coordinator for the Falcons when they lost when they lost uh, when they were up twenty eight to three against the Patriots. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the poor yeah, bloke yeah. he got pumped again with the Niners. <laughs> the, this because when the uh, NFL free agency before the draft kicks off around the end of April, and my um. Kyle Shanahan had a famous quote that now everyone is revisiting so far down the track is that they asked him about um, Jimmy G. He had a throw for a a third down conversion. He missed the guy by like 15 yards. And they asked him what he thought about his quarterback. And Mike, uh, sorry, Kyle replied with, I feel exactly the same as Jimmy G as I do now as I did before the game. And at the time, everyone's gone, oh, yeah, so he thinks pretty highly of him. And now there's the best rumor I've heard about Tom Brady going to the 49ers, and then them sending Jimmy G back to um back to the Pats, which I just think would just be the most insane. Oh no, I kind of in a way I kind of hope it happens, but anyway, we digress. Conspiracy theories, mate. Oh, I, I, that's the best one I've heard by far. Absolute best one. Like the the only other thing that I kind of flirted with is I looked at undefeated. Uh, so I did it again. Winless AFL seasons. The, there was no, nothing in recent memory. The only thing I took out of it is at the turn of the century, St Kilda really sucked. They had like five yeah, or six oh, seasons of not having a win Kilda. at all. The biggest one I can see in recent memory was like the 2006 Grand Final where the Bulldogs got into the Grand Final and just everyone assumed Sydney would just roll them. So <laughs> Bulldogs, they were the first team in recent memory to break uh, break there, there's a formality that seems to be you can't win the grand final outside of the top four in AFL. <laughs> Bulldogs just made, they finished seventh or eighth, only just made the finals. And they, I think they played, Hawthorne was one of the teams they played. Hawks had just come off like four grand finals in a row. They were the hot favourites all year long. Um, Bulldogs rolled them. They rolled someone else. I can't remember who it was. Apologies. And then they came to the grand final where they played Sydney. And Sydney were just, you know, the dominant to the extent they had been for a while without actually winning a lot of grand finals. They were competitive three or four years ago where they lost one and won another one. Mm-hmm. But then there was just an expectation that the Bulldogs got lucky, they wouldn't get up, Sydney would just roll them and they'd be, you know, a class above because they were young, immature Bulldogs. And um, even uh, Beveridge, the coach, said uh, post-grand final in an interview that the Western Bulldogs were the best team for the entire year for about six minutes in the fourth quarter. Yes. 
And that that was the only time and the only time of the year that they were the best team all year long. It just happened to be the most important six minutes of the entire season, which was <laughs> enough to get them over the line, and they won. So I just you know Sydney should have absolutely should have smashed them that day. But there you go. So Sydney's tragedy, eh? They they you know, Bulldogs win tragedy for Sydney, but. Mate, it's interesting though, but I mean, Beveridge is probably one of the greatest names uh, for a coach in the history of coaches too, up there with my favourite Jim Bob Peter, but yeah, there's some crackers. <laughs> but, uh, Bondi, who's, who was your, uh, who's your tragic season? Mate, mine goes out to a, a club back in, uh, 1983. Uh, this club was the New York Yacht Club. Um, <laughs> and, Mate, bear with me. You'll see where I'm going with this. Um, and if, those, if that doesn't line up yet, um, well, the event was the America's Cup. Right. Um, okay. So a little Perth um, club, the Perth Royal Yacht Club, sent Australia 2 over to America to contest the America's Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, America were undefeated for 132 years. Um, previously uh, to this, um, and they um, got a commanding 3-1 lead um, on this best-of-seven races. Uh, and, yeah, the, the Perth Yacht Club went over there with Australia 2 and upset them 4-3 in the end. Um, and our much-beloved Prime Minister at the time, Bob Hawke, uh, stated that anyone that fires an employee for not turning up uh, is a bum. So <laughs> that's how big so, it was in Australia. So um, is the tragedy all those people that got fired anyway? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, so I just thought that um, 132 years of dominance um, and for the New York Yacht Club, which obviously is much bigger, um, much more prestigious than the Perth Yacht Club would have been back in that time, um, and all those years of dominance, uh, to be upset. And uh, the skipper of the um, the American yacht said it, he likened it to losing the Panama Canal. That's how significant it was. Um, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So America hurt for a very long time after that. Um, that's, a, that's an interesting one because, I mean, when you think about it, like uh, 130-odd years of dominance, that's, that's probably one of the longest records in sporting history. It'd have to be up there. Oh, yeah, it'd and have to be. That, yeah. yeah, that's massive. And, I mean, for them to to, to lose it, that that would be uh, a pretty big, you know, pretty big blow to the, particularly given, I guess, in my mind, you know, the guys that do yachting tend to be a bit more uh, worried about the, the status and the prestige a lot of the time. That's that's kind of to be a lot of it, like, you know, how, how it works, and um, that would be pretty pretty funny, just like these upstarts from from Perth just coming all the way over over the pond and just ruining your life, like <laughs> just taking your soul. But no, that that's unreal. I mean, look, that's that's a really good one, mate. That, this is why this is why we love that's why I love Bondi, mate. He uh, always has like I would never have thought of the America's oh, Cup, some random sailor back in like, back when Bob Hawke was there. <laughs> but uh, well, that's that's, that's good. I mean, like. There's a whole stack of different ones we could have, we could have looked at. I mean, the, the probably the favourites as well are always when uh, whenever the um, the Patriots lost to the Giants those two times that was always pretty tragic if you're a Boston <laughs> fan I guess. Um, but I mean for the rest of us it's like you know it's pretty joyful so I couldn't really say it's tragic for me. Um, 
But, well, one uh, of those was the undefeated season as well. That was sixteen and zero, and yeah, they, they were yeah. Giants had a. I don't think the Giants had any business being that game. They they were like nine and seven, scraped through the playoffs, just got over the line, and then the rest is history. That's it, exactly right. Well, boys, I think that's um, that's pretty much going to wrap it all up for us. Um, I mean, next week we'll we'll have a look at the AFL storylines and go through a few other ones as well, and uh, we'll just let Cootsie basically talk for four hours on about AFL, and um, we'll uh, <laughs> go from there. But um, but uh, same time next week, boys, and um, thanks very much for for doing the podcast. But if you listen to us, make sure you jump in and uh, leave us a review, even if you hate us, doesn't matter, but uh, preferably five stars. Thanks, guys.